This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined by Evan Grant. Hello, Evan. Yeah, hello. And David Moore. Hello, Kevin. See, that's a that's a responsible, mature response, isn't it, uh, David Moore? You would I, think. I think we all know I'm neither mature nor responsible. That's um, true. I have a hell of a lot of fun. You know, Evan, it, it occurs to me when I, I watched the, the movie uh, Parenthood with Steve Martin and Keanu Reeves, it makes a very poignant uh, statement in the, in the midst of that, it is that uh, any uh, – uh, if you you got to have a license to buy, to buy a dog, but any blank can be a parent. And that's what I'm thinking about when I think about you as being irresponsible and that you should have gotten a license – before you were in charge of uh, of uh, Gina's children, let me let me just for your um, well being <laughs> and knowledge, let me assure you that I am in charge of nothing in this house. <laughs> um, I'm just I, kidding. I that was a great. I thought you said it was going to remind you of one of the kids, or it may have been one of Steve Martin's other movies where he he always kept putting the helmet on his head and then running into the door or a house. Uh, I, I, I do recall something similar to that. Uh, uh, my kids tell me now that I should be wearing a helmet. I'm constantly <laughs> hitting my head on something. And, you know, since I don't have any cushion up there anymore, you know, it's not a pretty sight. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, the helmet thing would, would work really well. For me. I have taken to just kind of, um, the house is small and there's not a lot of area to pick up speed, but I just find an area and where there's a blank space of wall and just periodically ram straight ram, ram it with your head. Yeah. yeah. Like a little oh, sports just... rider equivalent of juggernaut. However, I will say this, that last night we did get a, um, an email from the homeowners association asking us to bring in any loose outside bricks from the house. Did uh, they really? Yeah. Uh, so wow. I did that. So now I have something, I don't even have to run. I can just take my loose bricks and smash them into my head. Loose bricks. These were just some just some bricks that they couldn't figure out where they went, so they just left them there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rogue, that's, that's, rogue bricks. Yeah, that, that's quality construction. Um, no, it's it's really good stuff. Listen, let's. Uh, we've got breaking news on our podcast about uh, uh, the NBA has decided they will re- not only will they resume, they will resume with an eight game regular season. A- play uh, well not a play in but an eight game regular season to get everybody all warmed off i'm sure also to complete the qualified or to uh, complete everything they needed to do for the contracts television contracts because they had to play at least 70 games uh and so then that will put everybody over the 70 game threshold uh and also get them all warmed up after this long layoff 
And then there will be a 22-game or 22-team format in the playoffs. I think they had talked before about a 20-team, um, which was enough for me. Uh, it gets the Mavericks in there. Um, but now they're going to go to 22. Is, uh, do we know at this point if the, um, it, the teams would be seeded uh, regardless of conference? Because that's what the that's what the speculation was earlier. I'm just going to read a paragraph here from the report that is out. The NBA's 22-team format at Orlando's Disney World would bring the 16 teams currently in a playoff spot, six additional teams, and include a play-in tournament for the eighth seed. Sources said this is according to a report um, from Charms Charmia on the Athletic. If the ninth seed is more than four games behind the eighth seed, the, the eighth seed earns the playoff spot. If the ninth seed is four or fewer games behind, then the eighth and ninth seed will enter a play-in tournament that is double elimination uh, and for the eighth seed and single elimination for the ninth. So I have no idea what that means. That's really – I, I, I don't think that's – uh, frankly, I don't like that idea. This, this is that and this and that. Just, just pick the you – know, just say this is how many teams we're going to have in there and that's that. I, 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 my, head, my head's a little bit dizzy just – from reading that paragraph. Yeah. I'm sure they want to engage as many markets as possible, even though it may be a brief period. <clears throat> but you get into, I mean, eight games and two playoffs. I mean, and again, these teams, even if they did advance, aren't going to stay long <laughs> after no. that. But no. uh, it, it's probably, uh, again, I, I think they want to engage as many markets as possible. Um, well, you know, that, that eight, the, the, if you're playing eight games, basically, I think that's more, more or less the essential, it's the essential version of an exhibition season 2.0. I think it's geared more to get those, those legitimate playoff seeds, the opportunity to, to kind of get themselves back into playing shape. Um, and they'll it, approach it differently. I mean, they don't necessarily need, you know, some of them don't need the game, so they will go about it differently than the teams that are, uh, in the bottom part of the seeding as far as working for position and, and trying. So, so it's going to be an interesting for, it, it's going to be the format basically you have in the, the final 10 days to two weeks of the regular season where some teams aren't playing their key guys that much. Well, this will be different because they'll need to get them back into shape, but uh, the, the outcome really won't matter to some of these teams and to some of the teams it will. Uh, Damian Lillard has all, already been on record that, He's just going to sit. He's not going to play. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what else or who else might uh, follow that same path. I'm most intrigued by this, this whole thing because one of the proposals, and I don't know if that's going to be the case now or not, uh, is that you would be seated regardless of your conference, uh, which I think is a great idea uh, because, as we've seen, the Western Conference has been <clears throat> far deeper for, for years now. It seems like decades. Um, and uh, and by doing it this way, uh, you know, we're always kind of uh, a little hesitant about doing something different because we know that things are cyclical and you could always go back and then they, and they could swing back to the Eastern Conference. But even if that does happen, the, the Eastern Conference is still protected. Well, if you're the stronger conference, then you, you'll, you'll be at the top of these new seatings. So I, I personally am in favor of this type of thing. Uh, and I know that the Mavericks must be because in this seating, I believe they would come in about nine or 10th uh, as opposed to where they would be if you were going by uh, conferences. Okay. 
I, I That's why we've got you on this podcast. Well, I, I, opinions. Get them it'll out. Be inter- yeah. Get them I out mean, it'll be interesting, though, if you don't see by con- – I mean, if you just see based on record. Uh, and as you say, the, the Western Conference has been deeper and stronger for really the, the better – I would say more than two decades if you really want to get down to it when yeah, you talk about – uh, you know, the top five, six teams in a conference every year, pr- much deeper in, in the West consistently than the East. So what, are you going to have a situation where your final four teams or three of your final four teams are all Western Conference? Probably so. Yeah. And that was, and you know what? I don't have a problem with that. I, I just, I, I don't see. If you truly I, get the four best teams at that point in time, that seems to me, in, in this in this environment, the absolute ideal thing. I mean, of of course, you you potentially run the risk of not having one of those Eastern Market teams, but you weren't going to have you weren't going to have the Knicks for sure. You know, you weren't. Um, I, I don't have an issue with with the idea that your if, if your four best teams right now are all in the Western Conference. Again, this year's the the year to do experimentation. Trick it up how you want. See how fans react. It's a live laboratory, and and I don't think that if you if you put together your four best one loss record teams, I don't think you are in any way hampering your or or, or hindering your product. No, I don't either. And I and I and, and I'm right. And you're right that this is the year that that all sports should consider all types of uh, different scenarios, and nothing should be off the table. Uh, but I I think that that the only reason to do that is not just that oh, we'll just be quirky for the sake of being quirky. It's like, let's see what works. Uh, and, and let's see if, if something, if there's a better way. And I certainly think this is a better way. I think it's silly to stick with the whole idea of we're, you know, we're going to have to have an Eastern conference champion and a, and a Western conference champion in the finals. That's what, that's what it has to be. It's no, no one wants to see that if they felt like the best games were in the conference finals, you know, uh, that that's that's not a way to go and I, I, that's not to say that that you know an eastern conference team can't be the best one um but we certainly have seen that uh there have been it's very extremely top heavy in the east uh and then then there's a long way between the, the I rest that, i think over the over an 82 game season you the, the bigger issues that you run into are are more along the lines of scheduling if you're going to do away with conferences altogether you still schedule geographically and in, 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 in inside divisions and conferences, or do you just say, okay, there's, we're going to play, we're going to change the number of games we play during the regular season so that everybody plays, um, you know, a certain number of, 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 of games evenly across the board and evenly schedule everybody. I don't, I don't have a problem with keeping the conferences. I just say that when you get to the very, because you, It'd be nice to have that for the all-star game. You know, you got your Eastern and Western conference all-stars, you know, you, you can still divide things up that way. Um, and maybe it's, maybe it's not the way to go. What do you think, David? Um, I mean, there, there's a, I mean, conferences are just geographically geographic divisions and, and, and it has become accustomed to people. Um, you know, you, you've, you've had the argument before of why don't you just throw it open to, the best teams. Why? Why does the conference matter? Uh, well, the conference matters because if you're in a weaker conference like the East, you're playing weaker teams to accrue your record. You know, over the course of the season, uh, versus playing the more difficult teams in, in in the conference that that is up at that time. 
And, and the argument's always it's cyclical and, but you know, the, the, the deeper we get, I, I think these geographical differences are starting to dissipate a little bit. I, I still think there are, I still think there are profound, I don't wanna say profound, but I, th I, think, I think there are regional differences, which now you get into, okay, well, well, why don't you group things regionally where you have a little bit more of a, of a, of a logical, uh, you know, uh, rivalry, natural rivalry. But um, I, I think the attitudes are changing. I think they're softening. I don't know that anyone, I, I think there are a lot of younger fans that don't necessarily view whether a team's, what conference they're in. Uh, they just look for the, the marquee ability of those teams and and who they are and, and they really don't factor in who they go against but you know, here's another one in the NFL I mean you know the, the Patriots have clearly been the dominant team uh, have won more Super Bowls over this stretch than anyone but they played an arguably not arguably but but verifiably the weakest division in football during that period so would they have been able to get through their division and have the same seed every year if it was more of a uh, of a schedule that didn't emphasize divisions? But I, I you know, I, I think it's a little, I think it's a little stronger in football and baseball than it is the other sports. Uh, but but uh, uh, I, I don't think we're going to do away with it anytime soon. But in but in in this climate. Uh, I, I don't know that it's something you have to cling to. No, I, I mean, for this year, I'm all for experimentation. We see how it, we see how it looks. I mean, I think there's some, I think there's some issues involved with the schedule that you have to work through if you wanted to do this for a full, for a full season, um, uh, for a full 82 game season, or or whether or not you even considered maybe changing the number of games that you played. Um, but I. I uh, I think that there's there's at least at least what this does is it gives you a um, an actual set of data to to kind of springboard off of into real conversations and and that's why I'm all for experimentation this year. I you know I I mean you look at you, you do you know when you look at how the schedules are made. I I think the NBA schedule maybe it does matter less than the NFL because you're playing all the teams in your division and you home and home. And, and that's so important to, to your playoff uh, hopes um, in the NBA. I don't know how many legitimate regional rivalries there are that you'd want to really embrace where you had teams playing four times, two and two home and home. Um, there are some, I don't know that there are a ton of them, um, but it, 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 it's all worth it. To me, it's all worth a real talk, a, a real conversation. Yeah, this the, the, David brings up a good point, and and uh, this is something I think about with my own uh, boys uh, when in, in their viewing taste, and I think this is true with young people in general. I think the way that the way we're heading in sports is that everything's become homogenized, and because of ESPN, because of uh, uh, social media, you know. I don't think that there's as big a deal about regional rivalries. I don't you know, First of all, like in the Cowboys case, there's no such thing as a regional rivalry. They're, the rivals are the Eagles and the Giants. And the, I mean, and the, the Cowboys should not be in the NFC East. We all know that. I mean, yeah, it's exactly. It's do with geography. And, and the, the NFL realigned according to geography years ago. 
but kept the Cowboys in the East because their rivals were there. Um, well, that's where they, that's where they wanted them to be. Cause Tech Schramm wanted them to be in uh, where the, the biggest markets were. Uh, that's, and that's the reason why they play in the NFC East. But, but my point is, is that I just feel like that, that young people today don't care about those kind of, they want, they, they care about the best teams. My, my sons know more about national teams than I do uh, it, because I've, I'm here, and I so I I try to I try to keep up with the local teams, uh, and they will ask me questions about the Rangers or the Cowboys or the Mavericks that I, I that I feel are very basic questions that they don't know about, and yet, and then a lot of this has to do because of the of their, the fantasy sports that they play, they know all about these other teams across the country, you know, far more than I do, and I and I think that's probably true across the board with most young people today, most young sports fans, is they know as much about national teams as they do about the local teams because of fantasy sports and because of that's what they're fed when they watch you know, sports center or anything else. They're seeing a lot of national stories. They're not watching the local broadcast of sports teams as much. They're not reading about the local teams as much uh, as, as they used to, as certainly as they did when the we were growing up. Um, yeah. I mean, they're, they're getting all their stuff from on the NBA, from the NBA from, from ESPN, from the NBA Network, um, uh, like you said, from Fantasy Sports, from NBA 2K, that's where they're getting their their, their NBA information. Um, I, yeah, I, I I just think the becomes more and more obvious with each passing day that we are all here. We like to consider ourselves experienced, but we are basically dinosaurs um <laughs> I, I i i'm all for the, the nba here's the the other part of this is the nba i think is more flexible pliable um all of that when it comes to experimentation and they tend to reap the rewards of that what do, what do they have to lose what what does a league have to lose right now um by changing up the schedule a little bit. You know, in the NFL, because your schedule is so limited, I get the importance of divisional games and divisional rivalries. But if you want to take a different look right now, I think we're, we're dealing with a generation of fans who are more like, I just want to see the best games and the best players. That's what I want to see. Right. And that's it. And that's what you're talking about with, with the younger fans. They, they sit back and, and you can say, well, well, why are you doing this? And, and in a lot of ways, they're really a more discerning fan, sports fan, than we've ever had because they, they will focus on the best in any one season. And they don't have the ties to the team. They'll have the ties to the team during that period. But it's not just about an emotional tie to a team. It's about, well, I want to see the best this sports has to offer. And you know what? These are the three to four teams this year. Uh, th these are who I'm going to follow because I, w I want to see the best in the sport. And, and older, all, all, all of you boomers out there on this call, on this, you know, will say that, uh, oh, well, that's, you know, those are fair weather fans. They should be dismissed. You should form an emotional attachment. And the other reason is why? If you want to form an emotional attachment to a sports team, form it. If you don't, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that either. Yeah. I would like to point out before we go any further that technically, technically I am Gen X. Okay. I was technically. Born, technically I was born in 65. We all know that I'm more like 65 years old, but I was, I, I am <laughs> technically a Gen Xer. Um, 
So when people talk about the Corona being the boom, you define Gen X. When I when I think of the Gen X, I think I I think of Evan. I'm very grungy. Um, I, uh, listen, I I think the difference between quote unquote our generation and the generation of our of our parents was the our little our worlds were a little bit smaller. And look, I've I've said this many times. I became a fan. I became a sports fan because those teams in the hometown that I was lucky enough to grow up in had that city's name across their chest, and they represented my city. They, I, I became a sports fan as much for geographic pride as anything else. Uh, I, and, and I don't think kids necessarily look at it the same way. I think there's still some attraction that if they go to games, although games have priced out families so much now that you watch more games than you actually attend, and that's, uh, that's a difference also. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that there isn't the same kind of um, affinity for remembering going to games with, with your dad and that's what made you a fan. And, and, and then you look at the, the whole element. I, I, I think that in this era of social crisis that we face, you also look at from the idea of you wanna have pride in your local team, you look and see how active your team is and what they're doing for the community. And it becomes that much more um, evident that I, I think at this point in time, we might as well just, just go the route of the Japanese and the Korean baseball teams and, and sell the team names and sell the teams to, to corporate sponsors. Let them all make money that way and have, the, have no real affiliation to a city except for where they play. Because it, it isn't about, hey, I'm a supporter of the Dallas Cowboys because they're from Dallas. It's I'm a supporter of the Dallas Cowboys because I like Dak Prescott or I like Ezekiel Elliott or or I like the helmets. Okay, boys, that was depressing. Um, is it is it inaccurate? Am I inaccurate? No, it's a little bit. You know, listen, I grew up in Houston. I was born in Dallas, grew up in Houston, uh, and and I felt like growing up that I was bound to the Oilers, Astros, Rockets, you know, that those, those were my team. I could not pull for other teams. I was offended by friends or people I knew who were Cowboys fans. I said, there's, how can you be, you can't say you're a Cowboys fan. You don't live in Dallas. You know, that's not, that's not right. So I had to suffer through all those terrible you know, Oilers, Astros, Rockets teams of the sixties and seventies, simply because that's the town I lived in. And so uh, I, I, I feel like that's, you know, and maybe that obviously that's just my own warped, you know, uh, development, but I, I feel like that I do think that people do take a certain amount of pride, certainly. in the fact that that says Dallas on it, uh, and certainly with the Cowboys, I think that's a little different. I think the Cowboys are a little different in this market uh, simply because they are America's team and and people here take pride in that. They take pride well, they, in the fact that that. So they, I think the team that is the first in every market, the first pro sports team, has that anchor. First of all, they've, they've, they've had the public's attention. Secondly, they were kind of the team that that announced this as a major as a major TV type sports market. Um, uh, and and the Cowboys also have the the advantage that. Look, they became an iconic franchise based on greatness. Would the Cowboys, would the Cowboys be as as um, as big a draw and as as much of an iconic franchise for these fans if they had not had those those periods of greatness? Just be, 
just because they were the Dallas Cowboys and because they had a star in their helmet, would they have the same kind of draw? I don't know. And the well, you have iconic franchises in all the pro sports that go beyond. I mean, the Yankees, uh, the Celtics and Lakers, the Cowboys that that are, are, are really brands unto themselves and are somewhat insulated from poor performances or even decades uh, just because of who they are. And, and I, again, to me, and, and you know, I, I've called them this before, and I think it's fair that in, in a lot of ways, the uh, and now this is outdated, but the, the Cowboys have become the Kardashians of the NFL. Uh, there are some franchises that just receive so much attention uh, that they're branded and they have a fame that insulates them from falling too far in the eyes of of the fan base, even though competitively they're not in the discussion. And and I think there are two, maybe three uh, franchises in all uh, professional sports that are like that. But once you get beyond that, it, it's very much of what have you done for me now? And uh, what and and again, you know, Kevin, you talk about suffering through bad teams. Uh, you know, I would argue, you know your children and a lot of other people are going, well, well, look, I, I don't watch sports to suffer. I watch sports to enjoy and get an emotional high. So you know what? Uh, these last five years, yeah, uh, I watch every Golden State game I can when I'm watching the NBA. This year, why would I watch them? I know they're not going to win. Uh, give me the Lakers this year. Give me uh, you know, the other teams that, you know, and, and I think the, the Mavericks have fallen into this because of, of their young stars, especially Luca a little bit. So, I mean, um, if, you're, if you're just looking for like an emotional gratification, you can make a pretty strong argument that, that why shouldn't uh, a generation of fans just like watch the best every single season? Well, and, and that goes back to, and, and I don't know if this predates him, but, you know, the first person I ever heard talk about this was Bob Stern talking about, we we root for laundry or, or or Jerry Seinfeld actually I think was the first that said it and Bob kind of kind of took over that on 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 sports radio but um, look if if fans are more emotionally invested in individual players than they are in in the blouses and the jerseys and and all of that um, hey that that's great it's 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 the difference between how one generation grew up and and how another did and I I don't know that one is right and one is wrong. But certainly I can see the perspective of somebody who wants to be emotionally invested in Mike Trout, even though he's not one of the home guys, because he's the greatest player in baseball. So. All right. So we, we, before we man talk. Uh, yeah. Old man talk. Well, we were talking about young people. That's okay. Uh, up here in the Zoom with my face. like hey, Please, man. please okay. pull back. Pull well, they can't back. see that, which is good. Yeah. Wow. Well, that was, that was unsettling. But that's the um, other point. Some fans don't follow teams. They follow individual players. They follow the celebrities, the stars. And, and you've always had that in the NBA more than other sports because one player can impact a sport more and their Q ratings are, are consistently higher than, than athletes in other sports. And at this point, you know, I, to, to try and not be judge, judgmental, if, if fans want to be more invested in an individual player, they now have access to watch that. If it's a if it's a MLB player, they have through MLB TV, through through the radio apps, through they they have they have the ability to have the same kind of contact with that player as just about any fan. And from a baseball perspective, if you're a Mike Trout fan, you can come watch him in in Arlington nine times if you want. 
Um, and if you're a baseball fan, are you going to go to a lot more than nine games over the course of the year, especially if you're not, um, uh, let's just say, dripping with disposable cash? I, I, I don't know that you are. So I get that. I mean, it's just not how I how I followed sports, and it, it's not how I follow sports at this point, but that, that certainly doesn't make it uh, – it doesn't make it wrong. It may just make me out of touch. Yeah, I vote for the latter. Um, so uh, <laughs> I want to talk about one other thing here before we get out of here, because I got to do another podcast here in a minute. Um, oh, oh, okay. Well, I'm very important. Uh, is that um, David is reporting today that the Cowboys are, instead of going to Oxnard for training camp this year, they're going to have their own little training camp at the star, which, you know, Shouldn't be all that surprising. And, you know, really, David, and what, and what I want to talk about here, uh, I want you to, first of all, address uh, why they made this decision and all that. But I, uh, why not do that? I mean, you know, you, you've got this magnificent facility there. You've got uh, – you can do anything you want to do. You can, you can practice inside. You don't need to be outside. Uh, you can do whatever you want to do there. And it's convenient for everyone, and, it's, and I'm sure – uh, and, I, and I'm sure that, uh, that Jerry has swung some kind of deal out there in Oxnard that he gets a lot of this stuff at discount prices. But it has to be a lot cheaper for him, obviously, too, just to keep it here. So, well, yeah, they, they uh, well, this is the, you know, the Cowboys are one of only nine teams uh, in the league now that actually do not train, uh, do not conduct training camp at their own facility or their own headquarters. So, uh, but, but, this is this was not their decision. This was the league saying, "Look, every team this year is just going to conduct training camp at, at your facility. Uh, let's not, you know, that's it. Now let's move on to all the other many issues we have to sort through to make sure we have safe camps that can be conducted." Um, you know, I, I think there is a sense overall that you certainly have more control uh, over your own facility than you would uh, a, a training camp site. It was interesting for the Cowboys, that wasn't necessarily the case, because where they train, you could shut down that whole campus where they are. And, uh, and really, in some ways, it gives them a little more of a secure location than they will when they're holding it here, when every third day, players can just leave camp and, and go back home to their families, uh, mix in the community, and then come back for training camp, unless unless the league determines that the camp is going to be quarantined in some way, but yeah, they, they have the, I'm sorry, go ahead, Evan. Put them up at the hotel in Frisco at the Westin or something like that. Well, it's the Omni. They'll all be at the Omni right there next door so they can walk over. Uh, now they, they only have one grass field uh, instead of two grass fields like you have in Oxnard. Uh, that's going to be uh, something of, a, of an issue for them to work through. But as you said, they have an indoor facility. Uh, it's their natural facilities, but uh, you know, they're going to have to reconfigure that now uh, with COVID. And uh, it, it's a good thing they have a large locker room because it's going to have to be configured differently. And they're going to have to use uh, the locker rooms that are that the high school players use. Because, again, in training camp, you're going to have 90 players. Uh, so they're going to be spread out in, in locker rooms uh, across the facility. Um, and, you know, it, the one, th there are many reasons Dallas continues to, to – have training camp in Southern California. One is tradition. Two, the visibility. Uh, they like presenting themselves to another market. The, the outdoor weather conditions are ideal. Um, you know, just for example, the 
the average high in August in Frisco was 95. The average high in Oxnard is 75. Uh, so then you have, okay, are we going to practice outside early in the morning, late in the evening to avoid the heat? Um, but one reason they've always gone is because of uh, several reasons, tradition, the visibility, and also Oxnard helps underwrite a lot of their costs, um, you know, and actually this training camp is going to be a little bit more expensive for Jerry to stage on the facility, even though everything is there, um, just because of how things are constructed. That's why he went to Austin. That's why he went to Wichita Falls. Uh, that's why he went to, you know, that's why he's taken it on the road all these years. Uh, communities are willing to help underwrite the cost to camp in order to have some access to the Cowboys and also uh, practices open to the public. But uh, we'll see. I, I think it's unlikely at this point that any practices will be open to the public, although that is not a final determination has not been made on that yet. And uh, it's going to be very interesting how this is covered. I, I'm not I'm not sure media will be allowed to cover it. Uh, it, it may be a um, the media may be uh, not be allowed uh, in Frisco to cover training camp. And I think this is what the NFL is working through right now, and then will dictate to their individual teams. Oh, let me just let me just assure you of this: that if there is any way to use the guise of COVID beyond just the actual health protocols to keep media from gaining access to whatever league, those leagues will use that. Um, sure, no question. I, I can tell you right now um, that again, the president can manage to do press conferences in the Rose Garden whenever he chooses to do those and media attends those and asks questions. Um, I don't know that you're going to have the same opportunity when baseball comes back or, or, or when the NFL comes back. David, the one thing I wanted to add to your, to, to what you just said is, I mean, I think that the, the one over, there are two overriding elements of football training camp this year. One clearly is making sure maximum health protocols are in place. Secondly is, is practicality. And, the one thing that strikes me on the Cowboys front that isn't practical is how much work will they have to do outdoors in Frisco? And as you mentioned, if they've got to do a significant amount of work outdoors in Frisco, that really does, I think, create, I don't want to say it hampers them, but it's, it's certainly a less practical situation than it was for them in Oxnard where the training conditions were ideal. It's not optimum. Yeah, this is not to give them an excuse. Uh, they built a facility. You know, they would have the two practice fields now for this if they weren't, if Dr. Pepper wasn't building a, a looming building and complex right behind their facility, uh, which they sold to get the money for that. So that was a decision they made uh, that, that, go, that had nothing to do with football that impacts football. But, um, you know, Jimmy Johnson was famous. I mean, you know, they, they practiced in Austin in the heat. And he had no problem with that. And, you know, there may be some days that you practice in, 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 in Frisco in the heat because you want to do that. But, but I don't think you do a steady diet of it. And, and, and one thing I go back to was um, people forget that in some ways, and, and for good reason, that the Cowboys actually had camp in Wichita Falls for back-to-back -back years. And there was a period in one of those camps where the heat index, and that's back when they did two-a-days, the, the heat index was at 107 or more 
for five consecutive practices. And that, that was just the peak. I mean, the heat index was almost always over 100. And so what happened was, if you go out and you plan a, a practice session and you want to get in 100 snaps, say, well, all of a sudden, that was reduced down to 65 and 70 snaps because it wasn't safe from a heat standpoint to do more. So that's what, that's what happened. That is the one thing you have to watch when you're practicing outside in the summer uh, in pads in a, in a city that's very hot that you, you normally have to reduce your workload. And do you really want to reduce your workload after having a virtual off season when you haven't been on the field together uh, as a team and, and had a chance to go through those snaps and that repetition? I remember there were several seasons when the Cowboys got off to poor starts and it was, you know, a lot of conjecture about how much did the heat in training camp play as a factor in that. Uh, so those are legitimate questions. You know, the, one of the reasons you might want to work out in some heat is certainly to acclimatize your, your sure. players to it. But if you look at the Cowboys, let's say the Cowboys schedule holds as it is, which I don't think it will, but if it, if it were to hold as it is, they open on the road against the Rams, heat wouldn't be a factor there. Home game, yeah, Seattle, heat not a factor there. There are, there, are no, there are no hot weather games on the Cowboys' schedule this fall. I mean, I looked at week seven at, at Washington. It could still be hot in Washington and humid at that point in time. But, yeah, that's, I just that's pretty late. Thing that you did, right? You know, I mean, yeah. there is no hot weather that you have to worry about anymore unless you're playing early in the season in Miami or Tampa Bay. Right. Uh, so it's, it's not really an issue anymore. And I think that that is something that uh, – uh, but it'll be, it will be interesting to me to see the Cowboys do this, see if the, if the league decides this is the way we go from now on, no more, no more, uh, no more situations like we don't want as much travel. It will be interesting to me to see uh, what happens to the international games, uh, the games in Mexico, the games in London. You know, what's, are, are these going to be things that I know that they, are, uh, they have canceled those games now? They're not going to play those games. Uh, what for will this be the season, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for this season anyway. And, and what and, and very quickly, uh, what's preseason going to look like this year in the NFL? Is uh, are you going to have? Um, yeah, I mean, Dallas is scheduled to have five preseason games. Uh, I I I find that very difficult to believe, and and I think there'll actually be a push among coaches to say, look, um, we didn't have an off season together. It's more important for us to have these reps and go through uh, what we want to do as a team. We don't need more than two games. Let's do the two games. You know, let's do that. Let's not travel as much. Let's keep our guys together more. Uh, then we go longer and you, you have a better control group and, and it's, uh, you have a better idea of the, where the virus is and maybe hold it at bay as far as how your team's constructed. So, um, yeah, there, there's still a, a lot to work through. We haven't even gotten through the, the testing and, and everything else and the protocols once someone is found to have it uh, going forward. So, a lot to work through. A lot of work through. All right, fellas, that's going to do it uh, for today. We we talked about the uh, the NBA uh, kicking it back in. Uh, I know that this will this will make uh, Brad Townsend happy. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it won't. Will it? What, does what anything really make Brad happy? No, nothing. <laughs> nothing makes Brad happy. Uh, but we'll see. You, know uh, what, you guys make me happy. Oh, Evan. You know what? Uh, that's the sweetest thing you've ever said. It seemed a little disingenuous, though. <laughs> I know. I'm going to take. I'm going to take Evan at face value. That's what I always do, especially if he's going to be ramming his face into the wall like he says he does at home. 
So from everybody in here and everybody out there, thanks, and we'll get you next time.